You are listening to RudolfSteinerAudio.com. If you are listening to the podcast of this, it is located at RudolfSteiner.Podbean.com. Please consider becoming a patron. As well, there are two publishing houses, SteinerBooks.org in America and RudolfSteinerPress.com in England, who are the sole publishers of Steiner into English and have given me permission to do these recordings. Please consider patronizing them as well. This is a reading of Collected Works, Volume 266, Volume 3, entitled Esoteric Lessons, 1913-1923, to by Rudolf Steiner, translated by Marsha Post. This section, which is Section 7, goes from pages 281 to 326. Esoteric Lesson Given in Basel on June 3, 1914. Record A. Our exercises are predisposed to bring us into the spiritual world. We are also in the spiritual world in the night, but we are not conscious of it. Why not? Because we have the habit, the cosmic habit, to perceive through physical senses, and we are too weak to develop a consciousness without them. What are these sense perceptions actually? They contain also what we can attain from the higher consciousness, the imaginations, the images of the higher reality, the inspirations through which spiritual beings reveal themselves to us, and the intuitions through which we become one with the divine beings. All of this is contained in the perception, but it does not come into us. When we seek the reason for this, we find that Lucifer burns it up with the fire of the passions, drives, and desires. Lucifer has taken up residence in the heart, and there performs the burning of the imaginations, inspirations, and the intuitions that lie at the foundation of everything of a sensory nature. For with every breath and with every perception, the images of the spiritual beings penetrate into us, In the beginning of the Lemurian epoch, during what the Bible describes as the battle between the Elohim and Lucifer, Lucifer interfered in the human heart with his fire. Readers aside, just to mention that these are notes taken by participants and written down after the lecture. They are not Steiner's words, as a stenographer might record them. And the readers aside. The heart was predetermined to be something totally different. It was created by the Elohim to be their place of residence. Something can be small in the physical world and yet great in the spiritual world and vice versa. Thus the heart is physically only a small thing and the anatomist believes that it is the same thing if it is taken out of the body. However, the heart is something very large or great in the spiritual world and was intended to be the residence of the Elohim. As Lucifer moved into the human heart, the Elohim, however, preserved a place for themselves. The Elohim can still live in this place, in the heart, and that manifests in human life as the voice of the conscience. Where this voice speaks, there speaks something that does not belong to Lucifer with his consuming fire. In this voice, a direct divine inspiration reaches the human being, and we see that at important moments in history, This voice of conscience became actual for human beings and stood before them. This was the case with Moses, upon whose soul the destiny of his whole people pressed. 
he climbed Mount Sinai, in the burning bush, that is, in the fire that Lucifer had kindled, he perceived the voice of his God, who later on Mount Sinai gave him the Ten Commandments that became the foundation of all later human laws. After Lucifer had seized the human heart in this way, the Elohim had to lay a counterweight on the other side of the scale of cosmic world order to restore the balance. That took place in the Atlantean epoch, when, through the Elohim, Araman and all the ammunition he needed were entrenched in the human brain in order to bring there his cooling effect against the Luciferic fire. And what Araman cooled down from the fire that burned the imaginations, inspirations, and intuitions became thoughts and ideas in the human being. There is one thing that is quite special fuel for Lucifer's fire, lovelessness. The old initiates have always had this knowledge that Lucifer with his fire is enthroned in our heart and Araman cools down this fire in the head. We find a last remnant of this knowledge with Aristotle, who was not clairvoyant himself, who said that the warmth goes out from the heart up to the head and is cooled down there. No one could object that what is said is strange, that Lucifer and the Godhead both live in our heart. It sounds as if there were only one heart in the world, and yet there are actually so many hearts in the world as there are human beings. Yes, here we come to a riddle, which is only one of the smaller ones that esotericists meet. The riddle is, how did the one become many? It is not the intention to answer this here, but one can try to penetrate it ever further through meditative contemplation. Parenthesis, there follows the three seven-line verses as meditations. Close parenthesis. End of record A. Record B. We must not believe that everything in the spiritual world is just as it is in the physical world. What is large or great in the physical world can be small in the spiritual world, and what is large or great in the spiritual world is often small in the sense world. We have an organ in us that is physically small, the heart. Seen spiritually, it is infinitely large, because it is the home of the gods. The Elohim chose it to be their residence, but in the Lemurian epoch Lucifer took possession of it. The Elohim allow imaginations, inspirations, and intuitions to flow into him, but Lucifer burns them in his furnace of passions and makes them into the sense perceptions. In order that not everything was totally burned, the Elohim created a counterweight by setting the Aramonic beings into the human brain. These Aramonic beings cooled down the Luciferic heat with intellectual thinking and ideas. The Elohim have retained a small part of the heart as a residence, and they planted therein as a counterweight against Araman, Lucifer, the conscience. This is a deep riddle. The Elohim selected the human heart as their residence, and Lucifer nested there. How is it then, instead of one heart, there are many? Instead of the one, the plurality? Lovelessness is a great hindrance for our development. Then follows the three verses. End of record B, record C. 
The heart is a large cosmic structure wherein the Elohim are active. The effect of Lucifer is that imaginations, inspirations, and intuitions are as if burned up and appear then as sense perceptions. These sense perceptions are the burned imaginations and so on. The counter-effect of the good gods is that they sent the aramonic powers which now work in the brain in a cooling manner. The effect of the Elohim appeared to Moses in the burning thorn bush. He then later received the tablets of the law, Ten Commandments. When we leave out the middle word of in Christo Mormor, we can experience a world. The heart is the residence of the gods. End of Esoteric Lesson Esoteric Lesson given in Norkoping, July 14, 1914, Record A One wishes, my dear sisters and brothers, that all who participate in an esoteric lesson would be quite properly permeated with the meaning of the lesson. We should consciously leave the daily life. It must be for us as if the veil separating us from the spiritual world were pulled away, so that we may find ourselves in the spiritual world. The same thing also happens in meditation. With a real meditation, we should become free of our body. We should abandon everything that is connected with the bodily nature, extinguish all the interests of daily life, and devote ourselves only to the object of our meditation. We should leave our body completely, leave it totally behind, just as with sleep. Only that with meditation it happens consciously. Yet there is one thing we take with us, the breath, the effect of the lungs in the heart, the breath of life that Yahweh, Elohim, once blew into the earthly human being. When we are totally given over to our meditation, we will feel as if our brain were an etheric brain only. We must become clear that when human beings think, it has nothing to do with their brain. When they believe sense or feel, it has nothing to do with the organ of the heart. Just as when a wagon leaves deep ruts in the road, this has nothing to do with the wagon as such, but with how and of what the road was made, so too we may not judge the organs according to what we see outwardly, the way physiology and anatomy do. The organs themselves do not think or feel, but rather the spiritual beings and forces that work into them do. Just as letters are only signs for the content of word, so too are the organs only signs through which the higher beings express themselves in the human being. We have an overview of three evolutionary periods of our earth planet, the present one, the earth, the previous one, the moon, and the next one, the Jupiter condition. Most of you will know that human beings have, besides the cerebrum, the large brain, as the instrument through which they think, also the cerebellum, a small brain, that sits more underneath the other and at the back near the neck. All physiologists and anatomists know this, but they do not know that the cerebrum is the remnant of the old moon condition. It stands there as a document of the old moon time as a sign of the battle fought for us by the gods. What was thought on the moon became the cerebellum. However, 
there was no error in our thoughts then, because the divine powers were the ones who thought for us and guided our thinking. At that time human beings were not free. Divine beings guided and led them. On the earth, human beings have now attained freedom, independence, and have taken onto themselves the responsibility for what they think. Also in the cerebrum, there is something left over from the moon condition, the pineal gland and the mucous gland. These glands were on the moon what the lungs and heart are in the human being of today. Through our life here on earth, we are living upward to Jupiter. We are already preparing Jupiter, the future planetary condition of the earth. What human beings are in their actions, deeds, and their whole being will build their cerebrum on Jupiter. And what they now think in their cerebrum will one day build the cerebellum on Jupiter. No longer do the gods watch over human thinking. Human beings became free on the earth. We must bear the consequences of our thinking ourselves. And the cerebellum sits at the neck like a judge. For it will take the results of all that we thought on earth over to the Jupiter condition. And now I ask you, if we let this fact in its entire magnitude and responsibility work upon us, do we need yet another judgment? Is this judgment not more gripping, more powerful, than even what Michelangelo presented in his last judgment? Just consider the tragedy that lies in the fact that human beings themselves must bear the consequences of their own deeds, feelings, and thinking. However, in the midst of this tragedy we have one comfort, one support. Christ entered into earth evolution. If we entrust ourselves to Him, He will carry our deeds, feelings, and thoughts over to the Jupiter condition. For this reason, it is so important that spiritual science, Christ science, the knowledge of Christ, enters precisely into our time, the time of the consciousness-soul development, so that the understanding for the true Christ is again enlivened. Already in her title, Secret Doctrine, Blavatsky spoke of Yahweh as Moon God. However, because she mixed in her own feelings, much is incorrect in it. And through this, much of the bad karma came about that weighs upon the Theosophical Society. And since Yahweh was so little understood, it is no wonder that people also now understand the Christ being so little. In order to correct this, we had to speak of Lucifer and Araman immediately, at the beginning of our movement. For only through a knowledge of their being and working can we value Yahweh correctly. One leads human beings into the spiritual worlds correctly only when one conducts them through Lucifer and Araman so that they may come to Christ there. If we do not place Christ in the center of every esoteric striving, we lead them, human beings, to Lucifer. People do not like to call things by their rightful name. They deceive themselves concerning their true nature. Yet what people in certain circles call so scientific is actually of aramonic nature. Thus it was said in the leading magazine of the Theosophical Society that, in quotes, esoteric science is psychic mystical in nature, and that in contrast, 
The writings of Ani Besant and Ledbetter are scientific and esoteric. This, however, is Aramanic. And what one calls psychic and mystical there should be called Christian. For the entire esoteric science and the totality of our work from the beginning was founded on the knowledge of Christ. It was inspired by the Christ being himself. We want to always keep this in mind, my dear sisters and brothers. We came over here from the moon condition, where we were in the bosom of the gods, ex Deonasimer. On earth we are to unite with Christ and die into him, in blank moremo. Thus will the Holy Spirit lead us over into the new earth embodiment, the Jupiter condition, per spiritum sanctum brevivissimus. The end of record A. Record B. All truly earnestly striving esotericists who wish to make progress through meditation and concentration want basically nothing other than to become different, better human beings. In ordinary life we think through the instrument of our brain, thus by means of our physical body. In meditation it is different. When esotericists give themselves over with devotion to their meditation, they enter a condition that is like sleep, but with retention of consciousness. We eliminate what is bound to the physical body. Only the breathing process remains. It is the breath breathed into the human being by Yahweh. In meditation, we think with our etheric body. Lungs and heart expand and become brain, but etheric brain. And as our head relates to the rest of the physical body, so does this etheric brain relate to the heavenly body. We cannot know the human being with the methods of science not through physiology, anatomy, chemistry, etc. This would be as if we wanted to know what was written in the letters on a piece of paper by examining the paper itself and the ink. We cannot learn what is expressed in the letters in this way. The human organs are just such letters or signs through which the divine spiritual beings speak. Our larynx, our heart, our lungs, our brain are all such signs or letters. The thinking by condensing the substance builds the brain and the feeling forms the heart. Human beings were not always as they are today. On the old moon they inhaled warmth. We have something in our head that we brought over into the earth condition from the old moon condition. It is a remnant, a monument of the moon condition, the leaf-like cerebellum at the back of our head. Then during the moon period it was not small, it is now shrunken. And what were lungs and heart in the moon humans are now the pineal and mucus glands in our head. Lungs and heart of the moon human beings transformed themselves and became brain for the earth human beings. In like manner, the lungs and heart of the human beings on earth will transform into the brain for the human beings of the Jupiter condition. This is prepared through our esoteric exercises. The Godhead spoke to the human being through the cerebellum when it was the cerebrum in the moon period. This is the Godhead that is called Yahweh and which has connected itself with the moon evolution. This may now be spoken. It was already expressed once by Blavatsky entitled The Secret Doctrine 
where she called Yahweh a moon god. It does not matter if a fact is merely expressed, but what matters is how one expresses it. A great deal of the bad karma of the Theosophical Society is the result of Blavatsky having spoken this in a derogatory manner. For this reason the teaching about Araman and Lucifer had to be brought. These beings had to be put in the right place. Yahweh worked upon and led the human beings by means of the moon brain. However, the earth human beings, because they take Christ into themselves, shall execute their actions and deeds in freedom. The moon humans did not yet have freedom. It was brought to human beings first by Lucifer. Just as we today feel Yahweh sitting in our neck as our judge, so will the results of our deeds on earth place before the Jupiter humans what is good and what is evil. They will see it. It will be a terrible judgment, more terrible than Michelangelo represented on the wall of the Sistine Chapel. Human beings will then no longer be led in the way Yahweh led them through his work on the cerebellum. End of Record B. Record C. When we come together for such a lesson, we wish that it could be imparted to all human beings so that the veil that separates us from the spiritual world would be torn open. Such a mood of prayer is the right mood in which we should receive what is communicated in esoteric lessons. In daily life we live in our physical body and use our senses and our intellect. When we are meditating, we live in our etheric body. We must become completely free of the body in meditation. When we are meditating, we live in the heavenly body, in Christ. What do we do then when we meditate? We form something new. We create something new into the cosmos. We imprint a new etheric body upon the cosmos. When we bear this in mind, then we will gradually become aware of the great responsibility for what we do when we become a meditant. We know that the previous embodiment of our earth was the old moon. Now we ask if everything that was our body on the old moon is now gone. Is nothing of it physically present anymore? No, in no way is it gone. We still carry it in us. You still carry within you the whole moon human. In your cerebellum you bear what was once the brain of the moon human being. And in your present-day cerebrum you carry in a horizontal position in two organs that are no longer active today but are stunted and dried up, the rest of the old moon human. You carry the old moon human shriveled up within yourself in the pineal gland and mucus gland. The present-day pineal gland came into being out of the lungs of the old moon human. We carry the heart from the old moon human in our brain as the mucus gland. The present human being will become the brain of the Jupiter human being, and you will have trouble thinking on Jupiter if you have acted badly here on earth. What today is the brain of the human being on earth will be the cerebellum of the Jupiter human being. Today there stand behind us, of which we are still unconscious, divine spiritual beings who worked upon us on the old moon and who created us through the preceding stages of evolution. 
These beings say to us, You should follow the truth and not give in to error. They are our judges, and they warn us to become worthy of all that was brought to bear of force, of work, of offering, by the hierarchies for the becoming of humanity. They are the beings of the Elohim, of Yahweh, that worked in us on the moon without our being aware of them. They stand behind us today on the earth as admonishers, as the judges. On Jupiter, however, human beings, then conscious, will have a being sitting in the neck region that will tell them, that is good and that is evil. It will be Christ, who will sit in our neck region as the judge. Note Michelangelo's The Last Judgment in the Sistine Chapel in Rome. What humanity will experience on Jupiter as the judgment will be something totally different from what anyone has been able to think or imagine. While you were unfree on the moon, there worked upon you beings that you now have behind you as the admonishing gods here on earth. Through the freedom of the earth you will know on Jupiter who sits in your neck region as judge. The final decision for humanity, whether to walk with Christ in evolution or whether to remain behind, will take place on Venus, but the judgment will be fulfilled on Jupiter. The lesson was closed by pointing out the inexhaustibility of our Rosicrucian mantra, E-D-N-I-C-M-P-S-S-R, which were explained in the three meditations given below. They should help us ascend faster into the spiritual world. E-D-N, I turn to the things, I turn with my senses. Sense being, you deceive me. What flees existence as nothing is being and essence to you. May what must seem to you worth nothing reveal itself within me. I see am. Spirit light, warm me. Let me feel myself willing in you. What is well thought, cognized truth? How does the luminous I experience you? Weaving error, badly thought out, show yourself to the beacon of my soul, that I may be weaving in myself. PSSR Luminous eye and beacon soul, hover above true being of becoming. What is thought out, what cognized, condenses now to spirit being. And like pearls of existence there dwells in the sea of divine truth what deceives the sense's existence. Close quote. That is the end of that uh, section of the book. This is now part two from the Esoteric School. 1920 to the new founding of the Esoteric School as the, quote, Independent School for Spiritual Science, close quote, at the Gertianum 1923 to 1924. I will mention there's quite a few pages of facsimile images here that I will only be reading the short uh, translations of at the bottom of each page. Begins with a foreword. The outbreak of World War I in August 1914 caused Rudolf Steiner to close the esoteric school. Thus during the war there were no esoteric lessons. Later, Steiner said of this, quote, We have stopped our esoteric lessons 
since the outbreak of the war, for the simple reason that it is necessary to adhere to the purpose of our society. And then, of course, we must not hold any gatherings that are not public. This is equally true whether we are in a country that is an enemy or one that is neutral. Close quote. Lecture of August 22, 1915 is in CW 253. An exception was one lesson that was totally private. When on a trip to Austria in the summer of 1918, Rudolf Steiner and Marie Steiner visited the Polzerhoditz family at Tanbach near Guttau. Ludwig Polzerhoditz reported in his memoirs that on this occasion an esoteric ceremonial act took place. He related the following, quote, June 9, 1918 was a Sunday. Dr. Steiner and Marie Steiner went with us to Mass in Guttau. When we came back from there, Rudolf Steiner held a ceremony in the sign of the Rose Cross. Steiner spoke of how Central European humanity would have been receptive to a spiritual impulse in the beginning of the 17th century and of how the spiritual world wanted to approach humanity. The Thirty Years' War, however, prevented this impulse from being taken up by a larger group of human beings. He followed this with a reflection on the chemical wedding of Christian Rosenkreutz. He spoke of how Valentin Andrea, when he was quite young, could write it down out of inspiration, and of how then, at an advanced age, he became a well-behaved, materialistic pastor who could not understand his own meaningful work from his youth. He closed by comparing the spirit that is descending to humanity with the snow that lays its cover of purity over the cold surface of the earth in the winter. Close quote. After the war ended at the end of 1918, members of the former esoteric school asked Rudolf Steiner repeatedly to take up the esoteric lessons again. In the beginning of 1920, after a pause of five and a half years, he began to meet these requests. According to the stenographer Helena Fink, Rudolf Steiner made the following announcement at the end of his lecture in Dornach on February 7, 1920. Quote, Let me announce here that I would like those members whose names I will read aloud to come when they wish to do so, not only tomorrow but also Monday at 8 p.m. For the most part it will be people who have already been in the society for quite a long time and who are also involved in other ways. That is the basis for the list I have written. I want to stress the fact that, of course, those who do not wish to come do not need to. Names are read. List is not available. Thus I would ask those whose names I have read to come tomorrow and on Monday at 8 p.m. As I said, you do not have to come if you do not want to. Close quote. Helena Fink noted, in addition, quote, it began one day later because all kinds of people whose names were not read wanted to come also. Close quote. Thus, the next evening after the lecture on February 8th, additional names were announced. Quote, I will make up for the names I forgot yesterday. Close quote. A number of names were read. The names were not taken down in the notes. Helena Fink noted, in addition, quote, apparently, by far, not all of the names of those who had counted on coming were read. There were many tears. 
and when people came for the first lesson, several stood before the door of the carpentry studio, the Schreinerei, the lecture and meeting room at that time. Especially noticeable is that Frau X was there, completely bathed in tears, because only her husband had been invited, but not her. It was an attempt that, because of various circumstances, did not go beyond a second lesson at that time. Dr. Steiner was asked again and again by older members to hold more intimate lessons again. He alluded to this a few times, but always said that it was not yet the appropriate time for it. Close quote. These lessons in Dornach were not continued at that time. Also, when the question about esoteric lessons surfaced in the College of Teachers, in the Independent Waldorf School in Stuttgart, in the Conference of November 16, 1921, Collected Works, Volume 300, Volume 2, Rudolf Steiner answered in a very reserved manner, stressing that first the adequate method must be found. Nevertheless, an esoteric lesson took place soon afterward, on December 4, 1921, in Christiania, Oslo, Norway. Written records from this do not exist, but according to Helena Fink, who participated in it, the lesson was similar in content to the Dornach lesson. Further, such lessons followed then at Easter, as well as in November 1922 in England, London, again on May 18, 1923 in Christiania, Norway, and on September 30, 1923 in Vienna. In addition, several esoteric lessons took place through the initiative of several members who were especially interested in the content of the earlier cognitive ritual work. Rudolf Steiner named this group the Vaxmut Lerchenfeld group after the main speakers. This group of about 15 people came together three times in Haus Hansi, Rudolf Steiner's Dornach home. They met twice before and once after the Christmas conference, May 27th and October 23rd, 1923, and January 3rd, 1924. The notes that exist from these lessons are in Collected Works, Volume 265. The list of participants that are known, though this is not exhaustive, were Maria Röschel, Maria Steiner, Harriet von Vacano, Elisabeth Freda, Ita Wegmann, Margarita Voloshin, Jürgen von Grona, Kurt Piper, Otto von Lerchenfeld, Albert Steffen, Günther Wachsmuth, and Wolfgang Wachsmuth and his wife. Between the first and second lesson was scheduled yet another that was supposed to take place in Stuttgart in July 1923, probably Sunday, July 15th, and to which Friedrich Rittelmeier was invited. However, Rudolf Steiner cancelled this lesson because he had to consider the publishing of the Rittelmeier-Lemp discussion in the magazine titled Anthroposophie to be a grave error. For details, see Collected Works, Volume 259. Just as with these three lessons, May 27th, October 23rd, and January 3rd, so too was the lesson of September 30th, 1923, in Vienna, more in accordance, content-wise, with the cognitive ritual section of the former esoteric school. The participants in all of these lessons of the post-war time were either members of the earlier esoteric school or such people who had already received personal meditations from Rudolf Steiner. The end of that forward. Esoteric lesson given in Dornach on February 9, 
1920. One wishes, my dear sisters and brothers, that all who participate in an esoteric lesson would be quite properly permeated with the meaning of the lesson. We should consciously leave the daily life. It must be for us as if the veil separating us from the spiritual world were pulled away, so that we may find ourselves in the spiritual world. The same thing also happens in meditation. With a real meditation we should become free of our body. We should abandon everything that is connected with the bodily nature, extinguish all the interests of daily life, and devote ourselves only to the object of our meditation. We should leave our body completely, leave it totally behind, just as with sleep, only that with meditation it happens consciously. Yet there is one thing we take with us, the breath, the effect of the lungs and the heart, the breath of life that Yahweh Elohim once blew into the earthly human being. It has already been said repeatedly in the exoteric lectures that our head is ordained to destruction, to death, and that out of the rest of the human being there flows upward the living stream that can awaken the dead again. In addition, however, human beings must not reject what descends out of the spiritual world and can unite with the living stream. Otherwise, this living stream would have to go back down and the head, the brain, would remain a dead organism. Humanity as a whole is different from the individual human being. Humanity belongs to the earth organism and so takes part in the karma of the earth. The individual human being has his or her own karma. We must differentiate this correctly. Today humanity as such is experiencing the meeting with the guardian of the threshold, and the crossing of the threshold has already begun in recent years. This is also the beginning of the split of humanity, and this signifies a critical point in time at which we have now arrived. The forces that formerly streamed out of the spiritual beings into humanity are used up, are exhausted. We are now on our own, and must now bring up these forces out of our subconsciousness. The mystery of Golgotha will have happened for nothing if human beings do not use these inner forces but reject them instead. That would bring about the total destruction of the earth evolution. Souls would indeed still descend into bodies, but they would abandon them again in the thirty-third year of life if they did not in their earlier years take in through their bodies the stream of the spiritual. Such thirty-three-year-olds who have taken in the spiritual stream should instruct the younger ones, so that the seed for grasping the mystery of Golgotha will already be planted in the youth. And regarding those who die before the thirty-third year, they will be taken care of also. If this were not fulfilled, then soulless bodies would wander around on earth. These bodies would only be able to work with an automaton-like intellect. During the catastrophe of the war, there have already prepared soulless human beings, and more and more will come if the spirit that is pressing down to us is not taken up. These soulless human beings are a welcome prize for demonic beings who will use this automaton working intellect for their purposes. 
If there is not a small number of human beings who permeate themselves with the meaning of this terrible thing that is now being said, if the necessary earnestness cannot be brought to it, then the further evolution of humanity is not possible. I will give you a provision that can be of great help to you if meditated to bring to your consciousness the many secrets that lie in what was just said. The mantras were written on the blackboard and could be copied. There's three columns. I'm going to read the left column. I imagine. That wakes my eye, capital, for mature, creative, cosmic becoming. That weaves etherically into cosmic being. Weaving. Middle column. I think. That bears my eye into long-past ages, preserved in image by me. I feel. That holds my eye in the present moment. That existing weaves an eye experience. I will. That works in me in far future cosmic ages. That builds in seed through me. Third column, across from I feel, is I dream. That leads my eye through present events that weave etherically as cosmic working. And across from I will is I sleep. May that work me in promising cosmic that conceals itself from sense nature. If you permeate yourself completely with these words, you will come to a higher knowing. Feeling is a reflection of the dreaming, and also the dreaming reflects itself in feeling. To the mantras given, only thinking is conscious. For this reason, imagine is written to the left of it. The others still work unconsciously, sleeping and dreaming in willing and feeling, respectively. First, the middle three mantras were written on the board, then beside I feel was written I dream, and beside I will was written I sleep. Dr. Steiner said that in feeling we still dream, in willing we still absolutely sleep. Only in thinking at this point is something possible, imagining. For this reason he wrote I imagine to the left of I think. At the beginning and the closing of the lesson, Rudolf Steiner spoke of the following mantra, quote, and I'm going to attempt the German and then the English, O Mensch, erkenne dich selbst, so tönt das Weltenwort, du horst es seelenkräftig, du fühlst es geistgewaltig, wer spricht so weltenmächtig, Wer spricht so herzinniglich, wirkt es durch des Raumes weiten Strahlung in deines Sinnes Seinserleben, tönt es durch der Zeiten Wellen weben in deines Lebens Werderstrom. Bist du es selbst, der sich im Raumes fühlen im Zeiterleben, das Wort erschafft 
die Fremde fühlend in Raumes Seelenlehre, weil du des Denkens Kraft verlierst im Zeitvernichtungsstrom. And the German, my apologies. English. O human being, know yourself. So resounds the cosmic word. You hear it soul forcefully. You feel it spirit mightily. Who speaks so cosmic powerfully? Who speaks so heart inwardly? Does it work through space's expansive radiance into your sense's experience of being? Does it resound through time's weaving waves into your life's stream of becoming? You are yourself the one who in the feeling of space, the experience of time, creates the word, feeling yourself estranged in space's soul emptiness, because you lost thinking's force in time's annihilating stream. Close quote. End of esoteric lesson. Esoteric lesson, given in Dornach on February 17, 1920. It is necessary that we know that we live in three realms, three streams, namely the physical world, where we perceive and process the perceptions with our intellect that is brain-bound, then the world at the threshold, where the intellect is no longer adequate to explain the experiences, and lastly, the world on the other side of the threshold, where one comes into contact with spiritual beings. Humanity has, as such, stands at the threshold. Everything of nature and the outer world that is around us is on this side of the threshold, but we can ask ourselves where we can find the experiences of the threshold revealed. We find these mainly in the religious confessions of the most varied kinds. Their rituals, practices, and so on tell us what cannot be grasped by the intellect. The experiences at the threshold have something confusing about them. That is because everything that we bring with us from the sense world loses its meaning there. The modern religious denominations have no religious impulses. For this reason they want to penetrate everything with the intellect, which must fail there. Thus they cannot understand Christ as an otherworldly or spiritual being, nor can they understand the resurrection. When theologians speak of Jesus as is common today, they actually deny that Christ is resurrected. Only when we comprehend the event in Palestine as something that is not grasped with the intellect, as what we can understand only suprasensible, do we cross the other side of the threshold. The confusion which arises because everything brought with us from the sense world loses its meaning ceases only when the light from the other side of the threshold rays into this confusion. This is, however, not possible without Christ. If we do not unite with Christ in such a manner that we can say, quote, not I, but Christ in me, close quote, then in the future we cannot even live on as human beings. The Godhead that we call the Father God gave humanity the forces necessary for us to feel ourselves as an I, capital, an I that continues on through the incarnations. But these forces are used up, 
and the gods have ordained that each of us human beings, out of our own self and out of our own free will, leads our I further, so that we can feel ourselves as I in our further incarnations. Otherwise we are subject to the danger that was spoken of last time, that human beings become soulless, that the thread of the I breaks off. So that this would not happen in humanity, Christ descended out of the spiritual world, went through death and resurrected. For this the meditation is given to us. Uh, quote again uh, an attempt at the German. Ein Ich gab mir das Göttliche. Die Menschheit weist mir Christus. Der Christus macht mich zum Menschen. Die Seele wird mir der Geist beleben. The English. The Divine gave me an eye. Christ shows me humanity. Christ makes me human. The Spirit will enliven my soul. Close quote. Many secret societies know such truths, but want to keep them to themselves. For this reason, such secret societies want not so much to deny these truths as to obtain them for themselves, to divert the truths away from their rightful stream, and to represent them in the world as having originated from themselves. There would be nothing easier than to make spiritual science popular. I would only have to withdraw and let the rumor spread that I were dead, and the secret societies would help the truths of spiritual science soon become popular. That would strengthen there the secret society's power. We should therefore not argue with, for instance, the Jesuits, who are now fighting so against spiritual science, the way we could with other opponents with whom we could take up an objective battle. It cannot be a matter of converting the Jesuits, of convincing them through arguments. What we bring as refutation is very valuable to them because that is for them the weapon they will one day use when they want to represent the supersensible truths as coming from themselves. At most we can try to inform other people about the manner of the Jesuits' attacks but not attempt a refutation of the Jesuits' attacks themselves. Elaboration from Helena Fink The eye is actually still only a sheath, and it will become thinner and thinner, but Christ intercedes for this. Christ can, however, be found only in humanity, not with the individual human being. At the beginning and closing of the lesson, Rudolf Steiner spoke the following mantra, quote, O human being, know yourself. So resounds the cosmic word. You hear it, soul forcefully. You feel it, spirit mightily. Who speaks so cosmic powerfully? Who speaks so heart inwardly? Does it work through space's expansive radiance into your sense's experience of being? Does it resound through time's weaving waves into your life's stream of becoming? 
You are yourself the one who in the feeling of space, the experience of time, creates the word, feeling yourself estranged in space's soul emptiness because you lost thinking's force in time's annihilating stream. And I am now going to read the footnotes from some facsimile pictures, I believe, of Steiner's notebook. And this is from Rudolf Steiner's notebook, archive number 282, Esoteric Lesson of February 17, 1920, in Dornach. Number one, the forces of I, affirmation, exhausted. They must be newly grasped by human beings. The true will can reveal itself only in pure thoughts. Number two, Father God, the healer, bestowing comfort. Mystery of Golgotha equals death of Jesus. Number three, religion, at the guardian, stop before him. In the mirror, facts born by the senses experience, the Christ in me, the abyss, the new logic. Number four, that is, quote, in advance, close quote. Next facsimile page, number five. The truths about nature are such that they, when used in reference to the human being, give a false picture. Number six. After I am no longer there, the matter would be brought by others. However, it is not yet time for that to happen. It is still necessary to do something myself. Next facsimile page. Translation. The religions are are given from out of the boundary. They show the abysses of life. In image, they speak of the world for which this is untrue. Human beings have as their law of life to consciously deny nature. Living nature denies also, but the denial does not lead back to the starting point. An animal denies the physical organization, However, it does not deny the present organization, but only the past organization. Next facsimile page. The div- number one, the divine gave me an eye. Number two, Christ shows me humanity. Number three, the spirit will enliven my soul. Esoteric lesson given in London on April 16, 1922. Dr. Steiner held an esoteric lesson in London on the morning of April 16, 1922. All who had received personal meditations from Rudolf Steiner were allowed to attend. The lesson took place in the branch meeting room of the Zarathustra Group, founded by Mr. Haywood Smith and led many years by Mrs. Drury Lavin at 47 Radcliffe Square, London, Southwest. In the same room, Rudolf Steiner had earlier given the lectures on Michael and the New Christ event, May 1 and 2, 1913. Rudolf Steiner spoke, among other things, quite earnestly about the Academy of Gandhi Shapur and the Aramanic impact that was connected with it and which is working into our time. The lesson peaked in the first and third of the three tablets, in quotes, which were spoken in many of the last class lessons in Dornach until the beginning of August 1924. Quote, O human being, know yourself, close quote, and the answer that the human being himself or herself speaks. Into this answer was woven 
the E-D-N-I-C-M-P-S-S-R. Afterward, those present were allowed to write down and keep the mantras. Report from memory by George Adams in a letter of October 8, 1954. I believe that's the end of that esoteric lesson. Again, uh, a translation of a facsimile page by Rudolf Steiner from Rudolf Steiner's notebook, archive number 304. Esoteric lesson for April 16, 1922. Mirror of the world. It lies in me. Power of thought grasps its images. Behind it lies the young soul. It burns the stuff and learns in the burning the being of the world. The soul weaves for it the forming forces of the cosmos. Next page, facsimile. For the human etheric being that builds the head. Next facsimile page from Rudolf Steiner's notebook, archive number 304, esoteric lesson of April 16, 1922. Number one, Christ actually abandoned. Number two, the school of Athens closed. Justinian. Then the mind of the West is guided in such a way that Araman receives the meaning of human thoughts when human beings sleep. Number three, through that everything is led into the instincts. There is fighting for fighting's sake. Number four, research the will of Christ in order to realize it. Next facsimile page. Form unites the created. Burner takes everything into itself. Origines equals Christ integrated within the physical, the intellect, the spiritual. Next facsimile page. Salt, thought. Fluid, feeling. Fire, will. Next facsimile page. The skeletal system is formed in advance because the cosmic thoughts are creating within it. Thoughts are creative. In the head are the pictures of the bones, systems, etc. Next facsimile page. Moon, sun, will. The moon is the sculptor. The sense impressions work into its creations. The sun is the burner. It takes into its paths the will. Next facsimile page. Waking up equals the force of thought lays hold of the etheric body and in connection with the sense images the physical body. Next facsimile page. Sun, S-U-N, you live in my heart. Moon, you carry the foreign element into me. Heart, it is the organ that in the human being during earthly life enlivens the I, capital. In sleep equals the organ of the I, capital, heart. Next facsimile page. In the light, the love, forming, growing, round, power of moon, silver light. You rise up in me, burning, consuming, power of sun, golden light. You sink down in me, thus I become forevermore.
fire meditation uh, equals on silver-blue ground. Within, I strew stars. Facsimile page. The meditation equals it escapes Araman. The ordinary egotistical prayer equals it goes so into the sleep that it, namely with adults, fights against Araman only cosmically, but does not free humanity from him, equals realm of the sun and the moon. Next facsimile page. Araman forms under the heart. Lucifer forms above the heart. Moon above the heart and in feminine figures. Sun under the heart and in masculine figures. Moon, burner, under the heart. Sun, burner, above the heart. Esoteric Lesson, given in London, November 12, 1922. We have, besides knowledge of nature, moral responsibilities, and the religious consciousness. This means we feel that we rest with our whole being in a spiritual world. We have this religious consciousness while awake only because we are in our physical body. In our physical body we are together with the spirits of higher cosmic order. And in our etheric body we live together with what these spirits mean by the moral. Religious life depends on the physical body. Moral life depends on the etheric body. The cosmic ether out of which our etheric body is taken has two parts. The one part of this cosmic ether is made up of warmth ether, light ether, chemical ether, and life ether. Underlying all of this as the second part is a moral being of the cosmic ether. This moral being is, however, present only near the stars and planets. Thus when you live on earth, although you do not know it during the day, you are also within the cosmic ether as moral essence thus in both parts. However, the moral is driven out from between the stars by the sunlight. The sunlight itself has, within itself, nothing less than the original source of the moral ether for us. Yet, while the sun shines, it drives through its light the moral essence out of the ether. And thus, when we look into the world with our eyes, we see flowers, springs, etc., without weaving the moral into them, because the sunlight kills the moral. When we go out of the physical and etheric bodies, we leave behind the religious and the moral. And because the moral, cosmic order, is gone from the ether, the harmonic being has access to this ether. This liar spirit speaks to human beings during their sleep and represents the good as evil and the evil as good. With good people who have a good conscience, are devout and have deeply moral feelings, the moral feeling goes so deep that they take it with them into sleep. Araman whispers to them that the good is evil and they sleep poorly because they believe they have done much evil. Evil people often sleep so well because they are satisfied by the Aramonic whisperings. The end of that esoteric lesson. Esoteric lesson given in Vienna, September 30th, 1923. During the lectures in September to October 1923 in Vienna, Rudolf Steiner held an esoteric lesson 
for a small group at the request of Ludwig Polzerhoditz. According to the record in Polzerhoditz's mantra book in the Rudolf Steiner archive, the lesson took place on Sunday, September 30th. The mantra is recorded with the following, quote, Satyam Gananam, close quote, and the German translation, Ewiges Sein, Unendliche Gnade, close quote, English, Eternal Being, Unending Grace, as well as the three-part mantra, O Human Being, Know Yourself. According to the report available from Hans Erhard Lauer, approximately 20 people were present. Rudolf Steiner opened with an Indian mantra and closed with the class mantra, O Human Being, Know Yourself, and the Temple Legend. In a letter of February 27, 1930, to the Executive Council of the General Anthroposophical Society, Pulitzer related that in the fall of 1923, Rudolf Steiner allowed him, quote, when he held an esoteric lesson in Vienna at my request, to carry this lesson on and to expand the circle of esoteric students, close quote. According to the report from Hans Erhard Lauer, Rudolf Steiner is supposed to have told Pulitzer he could from time to time repeat the lesson. He reported that Pulitzer did this only once or twice because shortly afterward came the Christmas conference in Dornach and the setting up of the first class. End of that esoteric lesson. And this last page of this section uh, is what appears to be Steiner's notebook. Oh, no, this, I'm sorry, this is the handwriting of Ludwig Polzer Hoditz, Vienna, Sunday, September 30th, 1923. Uh, it, and I'll read the English. Eternal being, unending grace, fullness of wisdom, Brahma, cosmic sheath of the cosmic soul, unlimited love, boundless, peace, salvation in the undivided, in the cosmic harmony, Aum, peace, peace, peace. And that is the end of section 7 of the book up to page 326.